só agora tem. As que dizem, as que We have a word from our sponsor. <clears throat> Ladies, do your eyes water when you pluck those stray hairs out of your nose? Are you tired of the tears? Are you pooped from the plucking? What you need, ladies, is the battery-operated Brett Kavanaugh Bitches Nose Hair Trimmer. I don't care how thick and repulsive your nose hair is, ladies. I don't care if the hair coming out your schnoz looks like the hose of a rotor-rooter. No, no, no. Brett cannot stand looking at him. And he is selling you the Brett Kavanaugh bitches nose hair trimmer to mow those babies down. And here is the best part. The Brett Kavanaugh Bitches Nose Hair Trimmer not only prunes your nose hair, it reaches right up into your brain and lops off your frontal lobes. Just snips those suckers off. Because beer-loving Brett figures now that he and the Supreme Court have taken away your rights, why do you even need a brain? So what are you waiting for, ladies? Get the Brett Kavanaugh Bitches Nose Hair Trimmer and Lobotomy. All for the low, low, low price of $129.99. Ask Oh boy, hello, 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 it's Askew Jean, and you know what we got. We got a conflab of brilliant people. And when one of us has a problem, a whole bunch of us have the answer. Call her on the phone. Call her on the phone. When you're all alone, darling, ask 
I'm so uh, thrilled to say we've got actually a big, big time guest today. And I guess you know this means we've got a real podcast because Dr. Allison Gill is here. You know her as Muller, she wrote. And Allison has stirred up the shit when it comes to abortion rights. Then we're going to have a young mother who was forced to leave Texas recently, uh, well, not too recently, but, you know, not long ago, to get her abortion in New York. And we're going to be taking your calls live. You see that little phone icon at the bottom of your screen? If you're on your phone and you want to talk, this, this tech is wild. You just hit it and we can, we can yak. Okay? How does that sound? Well, here's the thing. I've been knocked off my rocker. Like 69% of the country think that women have rights over our own bodies. 69% of the country. But the Supreme Court of the United States says, no, 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 no. So... I was thinking, what can I do? First of all, I tore up the the whole show that I was going to do because uh, the news cycle was absolutely taken over by uh, half the population of the United States losing our rights. So I'm getting ready to do the Ask Eugene podcast. And by getting ready, of course, (laughs) that's an understatement. Last week, for instance, I didn't even turn on my mic until after I'd been flapping my gums for five or six minutes. So I'm thinking, what am I going to say today? And I remember something I wrote about abortion for Saturday Night Live. And that was like 30 years ago. I'm thinking, what would I have written about abortion 30 years ago? I got to look this up. But then, of course, I can't remember when I wrote it. I can't remember who the, uh, you know, where it would be. But I thought if I can remember who the guest host was, I could probably remember the sketch and maybe I can even find the sketch. So here's the thing. This is hard to explain, but in order to compel myself to remember who the guest host was, I had to recall some very, 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 very painful moments. Because when I was at Saturday Night Live, I could not get anything on the air. Week after week after week, I would fail to get anything on the air. Now, it's famous Larry David, uh, he couldn't get anything on the air either. So, uh, uh, But I really felt like I was the only one in the whole world who couldn't get anything on the air. So uh, at one of the table reads, I remember Al Franken who should still be in the Senate, by the way, because he is the least perverted person I know. Al Franken, I happened to look at his script uh, after we got done with table read, and he had written across of uh, my script at the table read. 
he said, why is this even allowed in table read? That's how bad some of my sketches were. Okay, so it's painful for me to remember uh, what my sketch was about abortion, but I uh, carried on and uh, I went back into my memories. I remember sitting on the floor at Lauren Michaels' feet on Monday nights. Uh, we would all gather in Lauren's office, sit on the carpet, all of us. And when I say all of us, I mean, this is, uh, I was a writer right after Eddie Murphy left and right before Conan O'Brien was hired on as a writer. So um, that floor had seen some of the greatest people in comedy uh, in America, you know, uh, Billy Crystal, Tina Fey, Mike Myers, Kate McKinnon, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Phil Hartman, uh, Kristen Wiig, Will Ferrell, Amy Poehler, Adam McKay, Adam McKay, uh, Stephen Colbert. I could go on and on. And I was trying to remember what would I wear if I was sitting on the floor. And I uh, recalled one of my favorite outfits, which, which I wore when I met Lauren for my job interview. It was a white, and I'm guessing I was wearing it, a uh, white straight skirt with a white sweater white kids, my little white socks neatly turned down in a cuff, uh, basically looked like a cross between a bride and a car hop. And I think this is what I was wearing when Robin Williams walked in as the week's host. And little sparks were shooting out of his eyes. And he's sort of shy and he's casting tender, gentle looks, you know, left and right as he enters the room. He, it, it's amazing. You don't think of Robin Williams as being shy and resident, but he walked in really, you know, just uh, such a tender look in his face. And Dana Carvey or maybe John Levis or somebody tossed out, said something. I don't know if it was a pitch for an idea or he just said something. It was said, I can't remember what he said and any, whatever it was. Robin exploded. It was like watching Hoover Dam burst. Robin Williams was funnier in that room in those 20 minutes than any live show ever in the history of television. And here's the thing. It, there must have been a magic mist sprayed in that room because... I don't remember a thing that he said. Nobody else remembers a thing that he did because, you know, it, it was just sheer genius for 20 minutes. The show that week wasn't even that good. It wasn't even that good. So I think I had written my abortion sketch uh, for Robin Williams. I mean, that would be the guy I would go with. That would be the guy. So I go out to my porch to get to my files, right? And I'm going through the shelves of files. I'm going through the boxes. I'm going through the notebooks, computer printouts. I'm looking for my sketch, you know, and I pick up a notebook. It's a recent notebook. But by this time, I'm opening up every, every notebook. I know this. I know the, uh, the abortion sketch can't be in this notebook because the notebook is too re recent. But I look in the back. There's a, a, a piece of con yellowish construction paper stuck in the back of this notebook and I take out the construction paper and I unfold it and guess what it said 
It said, do not do a podcast. <laughs> it, the notebook must have been 2018 because everybody in the world had started to do a podcast. And I was tempted to do a podcast. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to put a note to myself not to do a podcast. Ask so let's get to uh, my first podcast host, uh, guest. Uh, it's the um, completely charming and utterly devastating Dr. Allison Gill. Allison is a Navy veteran specializing in naval nuclear propulsion. She's a doctor of health administration, but you know what she's famous for. Uh, she was quite a rebel rouser at the Department of uh, Veteran Affairs. And um, who she is online is she is, uh, 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 she is uh, a Muller, she writes. And uh, Muller, she wrote. And one of the funny, uh, she does one of the funny, great, hilarious, serious, important uh, uh, podcasts called Muller, she writes. and. In the great and hallowed tradition uh, of Ask Eugene, I'm welcoming Allison. Now I just got to figure out how to how to bring Allison up here. Allison, there you are. Do I unmute you? Do I unmute Allison? How do I do this? Uh, Avery, how do I uh, uh, talk to Avery, the producer? Uh, I have to. Let's see. Avery, Allison hey. can unmute herself, so she just uh, presses her mic button and she can speak. Hey, Hello. hey, everybody. Oh, hey, uh, Allison. Eugene. Allison, what is a naval nuclear propulsion person? What is that? Uh, we make the boat go forward. Okay. <laughs> and then you have a doctorate in health administration. Yes. Uh-huh. Unrelated. <laughs> and then you caused all sorts of explosions at the Department of Veteran Affairs. Yes, yes. I was working for the Department of Veterans Affairs. Started, I started when Obama started his job. Um, and then, of course, we know who won in 2016. Well, who supposedly won in 2016. And then I started a podcast about the Mueller investigation. And I was unceremoniously removed from my job in the government because they well, investigated my podcast. Yeah, well, your podcast has happened to be breaking. You were making headlines of that podcast. You had inside information that nobody else had. You were the only one. And, you know, uh, you probably, I understand why they investigated you. I get it. Um, <laughs> Allison, you were not behaving yourself. You were letting Americans know what the hell is going on. Yes, yes. Uh, um, Well-behaved women rarely make podcasts. That's exactly right. And just let me say this uh, right here because and right now, uh, I first met you, you walked into a Mary Trump's place and you were wearing an original, an original, everybody, an original Alexander McQueen gown in fire apple red. You're about seven feet tall in person <laughs> and you have, you were wearing fishnet hose and combat boots. boots. <laughs> That is uh, that is Dr. Allison Gill. That is Mueller, she writes, 
what, uh, why do I always say Mueller she writes? It's actually Mueller she wrote. Um, and Allison, you uh, pretty much uh, stopped my heart beating yesterday when you published your story on Twitter. Mm. And we're here to talk about that. What, you, what happened when you were drugged when you were in the Navy? Um, yeah, I was on one of the first women allowed back into the nuclear program. Um, they didn't let women have that job for a very long time. They let, they let us in for a year in 1979 and then shut it down very rapidly. And then we were allowed back in in the mid-90s. And so well, I was one of the first women there. And so there was, a, like, you know, two or three, maybe four women and about 600 men. And uh, one night at a party, I was drugged and I was assaulted. I was raped. Oh, and um, it it was, I tried to report what had happened to me. Wait, 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 wait. So stop right there. So were you aware that you had been raped? Do you have, did you have any memory or did you, did you just have evidence of it the next, uh, when you woke up? I had evidence of it the next morning. I couldn't remember the actual uh, event, uh, the oh, actual man. assault. But when I had woken up, I, I, I didn't have any clothes on. I was bleeding. Oh. I was very, I was in a lot of pain. Oh. And when I said to the man that I woke up next to, I said, I, I don't think I wanted to do that. Uh, oh, good. He, he said, Oh, are you going to cry rape? Now, who says oh. that? A rapist says that. That's who says yeah. that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And so I tried to report it, but I was, um, you know, na- commands, military commands don't want sexual assault and rape on their records. So oh. what they did was they told me the dangers of filing a false report, how I could oh. be, how I could be court-martialed, um, kicked out of the Navy, lose my uh, benefits, lose everything, lose my school, lose my signing bonus, um, lose my GI bill, dishonorably discharged. What? Beyond wait, my... So, oh my God. Wait, 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 wait. Who told you this? Uh, one of the, the, the men who I reported to, there were two of them. The first one was asking me questions and they were asking me the typical questions that, that, that people hear all the time. What were you wearing? Were you drinking? Oh! Were, were you flirting? Oh. And by the way, Eugene, I made it look good, but I was wearing dungarees, which are a long sleeve button up blue denim shirt and high waisted bell bottom jeans. So, yeah, but Allison, uh, let me tell you, you are uh, what really, how tall are you? You're like seven, four, right? Seven, four, <laughs> seven, five. And you've got a dynamite figure, just a dynamite figure. And just, you and dungarees, I understand it. But how dare, how dare. They yeah. question what you were wearing. How dare you were an officer, I believe. No, I was a enlisted. You're a listen person. Okay. <laughs> they dared questioned you. Uh, yeah. They dared. Okay. Go on. They ask you, they, they ask if you were flirting. Oh was God. I flirting with anyone? Had I been drinking? What, uh, if I had a boyfriend, if I was fighting with said boyfriend, ah! um, and I was 21, so I was, uh-huh. I was just answering the questions. I was also uh, new in the military, which means you're very, you know, you, are, you, you follow orders and, you know, you, you do what they say. Um, and so that was the first round. And, this, and then the second guy is the guy who came in, and he was wearing khakis. So he was either a chief or he was an officer. So he was a higher-up right. guy. Right. And he started telling me 
the 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 dangers of filing a false report. Uh, all these things that oh. could happen to me if I filed a false rape report. And the thing that oh. stuck stuck out in what'd my mind. What they say? What what they say that would happen to you if you filed a false rape? What did they say? What were the consequences? Well, all of the things that I told you, like I'd be kicked out of school, kicked out of right. the Navy, dis dishonorable okay. discharge. Okay. But the thing that stuck in my mind was they said that um, I could be charged with adultery because my rapist was married. <gasps> and oh I could be court-martialed for that. It would go on your oh. permanent record and, and uh, oh. all of that. So I was terrified. And so they, he ended the conversation with, why don't we just chalk this up to what really happened, what, what this really is, which was oh. just a bad judgment on your part. Oh, oh my God. I can't, I just, I just, when I hear your story and I think of what the Supreme Court has just done, I, I am, well, I think everybody is with me on this. I, I almost can't stand to hear this. This is because what happened, Allison? Well, I went to sick call, which is like the doctor on yeah. base. And I, yeah. I, I had heard a rumor that if you took a whole bunch of birth control pills, it could prevent pregnancy. Right, right, right. Like, because we didn't have plan B, but that was sort of like how it worked. Right. And so I, I went to sick call, told them I had tripped and fallen, and that's why my vagina was bleeding. And oh. uh, got, oh. I was terrified oh. to tell anyone that I'd been raped, because if I made a false report, I'd be kicked out. Allison, um, wait, the rape was so severe, you had blood in your vagina, You had it was so severe, he bruised and caused you to bleed? Yes. Mm -hmm. <gasps> oh my God. Mm -hmm. Were you bruised anyplace else? Uh, on my thighs and some my legs, uh, and maybe I, and honestly, I don't remember, uh, if clear, I had to see clear rape, clear. What, well, how high up was he? Was he an officer? No, he was a student like myself and he was, uh, in, I believe he was in the army because we were sharing our Navy base with some army fellows. Oh, uh, mm -hmm. oh, and the Navy did not come to your side. No, no, because this happened on their command. Yes, but you're fighting for your country. You should be protected. You're a woman who is protecting and fighting for America, and they're telling you this army guy carries more weight than you do, and they're wondering if you are flirting. Yeah, and your huge. vagina has blood dripping out of it. Huge, huge betrayal. And and I have to tell you, Eugene, because these are, uh, you know, the people that you're enlisted with, uh, you. Are, it's uh, it's like family. You would yeah, take a, bull, yeah. a bullet for these people. So this was akin. So this was <clears throat> even a bigger betrayal than uh, than you know. It's 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 hard. It's hard to imagine. Um, but the thing that bothers me the most is that there still is no apparatus safe safe place for for people in the military to report sexual assault. We've been trying to get the rules and the laws changed. For a very long time, and recently, Senator Gillibrand and Senator John right, right. put to get put out the, the Military Justice Reform Act, and that would have taken the decision to prosecute out of right. the chain of command, and that got nixed, even though they had sixty six senators willing to vote for it. Now, the problem. We're going to get to that. Wait on. Wait. Wait. One we'll get minute. to that. We're going to get to that because we're going to get that. We're going when when after we hear your sir. We're going to take actions, and you're going to tell us what actions we can take. But what happened is the birth control pills did not work, right? They did not work. Uh, I, I have, 
found out I was pregnant. I missed a period. And then I went and I got a <clears throat> pregnancy test from a drugstore and it turned out I was pregnant. And oh. right outside the gates in, in Orlando, well, very close to right outside the gates is a Planned Parenthood. Yeah. And I yeah. went there and they were able to test me, uh, uh, said I was pregnant. And then uh, I opted for abortion care. I opted to have an abortion. Um, and I can't imagine having to cope with the PTSD of the trauma of the rape right. while also having to raise my rapist's child. Um, I almost did. Allison, let's, let's just stop right there. If you had been, if that had happened today and you had been in a red state such as Texas or Oklahoma, you would not have been able, because it had been past six weeks, to even, with Planned Parenthood, get an abortion. Cor correct. Nor would I be able to easily travel to a state that provides abortions. Because Why is that? Now tell me about the travel thing. In order to get leave from the military, you have to apply. Um, you have to send a leave chit, what's called a leave chit, up the chain of command. And about six different people, including the commander of the base, have to sign off on your what? leave. What? Wait, wait. How many people have to sign off? Like one, two? Like six. Why? Wait. To leave the base? For a to medical reason? Well, that's just it. Um for a medical reason, if you have a medical issue, the, the military takes care of it, unless it's abortion <laughs> care, right? Right. Uh, because of the Hyde Amendment, federal dollars can't go toward abortion. And so uh. so it's not just as easy as just on the weekend getting in your car and going. You have to have permission to leave. Okay. And so you have to get that signed off. What happens if you leave there. and don't – what happens if you just say – uh, screw you guys. I got to go. Uh, I'm going to leave in base. What What would ha have happened to you? Uh, in the Navy, we call it UA, but you might know it as AWOL. Right. Absent without leave. UA right. is unauthorized absence and you are subject right. to court martial. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? For Oh, she. Oh, OK. All right. So you were OK. You got to leave the base. You got the chit signed by the six people. Right. Well, no, because because there was abortion available oh, okay. in town. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. I didn't have to travel, so I didn't have okay. to take leave, so I didn't have to get that okay. approved. Okay. 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 Now, I, okay. Mm -hmm. So, but today, if you're on yeah. base in Texas and it's right. past six weeks, you would have to travel, and you have to when you get your leave approved, you have to give a reason for leave, and in some instances, when you're at school. Right. Or, you know, they don't, they only approve leave for like a death in the family or something oh. like that. So you wouldn't be able to tell them, I need to travel for an abortion. You know, it would be denied probably, which is why I had reached out um, to the the president, right. the secretary of right. defense, grant leave for abortion care travel. Okay. So wait, so, okay, now let's... Let's okay. Now we're to the action. We're going to take action. We're up to the action part of your story. So okay. what? 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 Now what are you talking about when you're talking about grant leave? What is that? When you put that leave chit in and have to have six people right. sign off on it, right? Right. It it should be okay for you to take leave to seek an abortion if you're in a state that prohibits it. So you are calling upon Congress. You, you got uh, Kristen Gillibrand. What happened to that? Uh, well, that's, hmm. 
The problem with that is that for some reason, uh, Jack Reed, who is a Democratic senator in Rhode Island, did not want Chuck Schumer to bring that bill to the floor for a vote. He wanted right. to take it into his committee and put it in the National Defense Authorization Agreement, the oh. NDAA, which is what funds the, the, the DOD. And oh. Senator Jill Brand and, and Joni Ernst were like, okay, but don't mess it up. And, and right. sure enough, they gutted it. And so uh, it doesn't uh, take the decision to prosecute out of the chain of command. And so what I'm calling uh, on the president, what the president and the secretary of defense can do without Congress is to, to pass a rule that grants leave to people who need to travel, for, who are military personnel who need to travel for abortion care. They should be able to put right on their leave chit. I need an abortion. I got to go to California or I got to go to New York. They should be able to do that, and it should be automatically approved in those particular states. It doesn't cost any money, so it doesn't violate the Hyde Amendment. And then I also ah. would love for people to call Chuck Schumer and okay. ask, him, ask him why he refuses to bring this bill to the Senate floor for a vote. Because, oh. Eugene, this bill has 66 co-sponsors. It would what? pass the Senate. It that, would pass. It would wait, – wait, back up. 67 – People in the U.S. Congress, the U.S. That, Senate. Mm -hmm. That means Republicans have co, uh, are co-sponsor are co-sponsoring. Mm -hmm. Joni Ernst came on board because she has a daughter at West Point, and she had problems oh. with harassment and assault in the military, and so she co-sponsored, and that brought on seventeen more Republicans and and all. Get 50. the hell out of here! Okay, mm -hmm. so what? We have a big Ask Eugene Army here. We have a big, big Ask Eugene Army, and the the, the Army is impatient. We are not putting <laughs> up with this shit. So what can we do specifically, Allison? You can call Chuck Schumer. Call Chuck Schumer. You don't okay. have to be – he's the, he's the Senate majority leader, so you don't have to be his delegate to get his attention uh, or his constituent oh, right. to get his attention and say bring – Senator Gillibrand's Military Justice Act to the floor for a vote in the Senate as a standalone bill because it got watered down in the NDAA for some reason by by a Democrat. Um, All right. So let me let me ask you about politics here. Mm -hmm. We have a big battle going on. We have oh, a big, yes. big, big battle. Fifty uh, percent of the United States population uh, has had their rights taken away. Now, how do we fold this in together, Allison? I have a feeling that this will all work out if we can just, if we can fold this. What When we call Senator Schumer, what do we say? How do we combine this with our fight for abortion? How do we do this? Well, as far as the Military Justice Act is concerned, that only impacts the people who are in the military. But right now. I yeah, think but that's what, hundreds of thousands of people. It is hundreds of thousands of people. But I think something else that we can do, Eugene, is because of this uh, leak, and again, the leak isn't the story, but because somehow Alito's uh, disgusting, horrible, arcane, horrible. hideous um, opinion has leaked before the decision, we've never had an opportunity to make our voices heard when we know a decision that could come down the line before it happens. If we are loud enough and if we raise enough of a ruckus and demonstrate peacefully and air our grievances uh, loudly, as loud as we can between now and June, that decision, there, there's a non-zero chance that that decision could change. 
we've, we've never had this opportunity before because okay. normally the decision just comes out and that's the decision. But now we know when it's going to come out in probably at the end of June sometime. And we know what the decision could be. And so we can, we can raise our voice, be loud, make it okay. really, really uncomfortable All for right. the Supreme Court to put forward that decision. I'm not sure. They, Allison, can I just say, I don't think they pay any attention to marchers. I don't think they pay t- any attention to women in the streets of science. I don't think they pay any attention to this. I they might really, not. They might not. But why not do it, right? Why not? Why not take the chance? Is there any way we can leverage anything here? I mean, uh, I, is there is there some is there something we can do that um, actually is a lever to force them? How can we force them to bring this down? How can we force it? Uh, millions of we've proven that millions of women in the streets means diddly squat to the Republicans. But mm. maybe you're right. Um, uh, you know, um, we need marching with something else. What would that something, Allison, just to look at you in those combat boots and that Alexander <laughs> McQueen dress and your tattoos all across your down one arm and up the other. Oh my God. I almost, what did I do when I saw you? I almost fell on the floor. I thought, oh my God, I can't, what am I looking at? Uh, I just, I want to go one step beyond the marching in the streets and the writing to the senators. What is that? That's what we have to figure out. We have to figure that out, Allison. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you've blown the whistle on a lot of bullshit in Washington. You are, I'm wondering if we shouldn't take the Mueller she wrote way and start to expose certain things that the Republicans are doing that, 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 you know, I, I just don't like the way they're handling themselves. And I just don't think they're good people. And uh, I, think, I don't know that they care about that either. I mean, look at well, we released all these tapes on Kevin McCarthy and he still gets a standing ovation in the, I in get the it Republican Congress. I mean, uh, I think our voices are very, very powerful and that's what we have to use. Okay. Allison, say that again, because that's going to be, we're going to say, goodbye to you. And I want you to say that one more time because you are Dr. Allison Gill. You have (laughs) been there and you have done that. And you are telling us to what? Use our voices. It's, it's the most powerful thing we have. Allison, I want to thank you a million times. I can't wait to see you to hug you and like eat lots of pastries covered with butter and just have a, a fabulous time. Allison, thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, we'll have to have a Ms. Rothkopf make us some make us some delicious oh! pastries that we can share. Marissa Rothkopf, we are big fans of Marissa Rothkopf because uh, is she your next guest? Are you are you taping your Mueller thing tonight? What are you doing? Uh, no, I um my daily news podcast is the Daily Beans. Yeah, the Daily. I'm going to be uh, recording that with uh, my wonderful, amazing co-host Dana Goldberg here very shortly. Dana Goldberg is one of the funniest women who's ever walked. Okay, yes. so what is the name of that podcast, Allison? It's called The Daily Beans. It's news with swearing. All right. I will see you soon. Thank you so much.
boy, that was Alison Gill. And you don't mess with Alison Gill. Um, can you imagine facing what Alison Gill faced? And yet, here she is. She's causing a ruckus. She caused such a ruckus at the Veteran Affairs uh, Office. You cannot imagine. It was a treat to have her on the podcast, on our first real podcast. And uh, now we take another word from our sponsors. I have to read this commercial. Ladies, let's talk about your clitoris. Your clitoris is a monarch, a queen. She can send you into eyeball rolling ecstasy 30, 40 times a day. And as you know, it was only a matter of time before the GOP found out that number one, your clitoris has feelings. And number two, your clitoris, and this is a fact, has twice as many nerve endings as a Republican dick. It means a sprightly young lady with a working clitoris can have more teeth grinding orgasms in one afternoon than all the Republican men in the Senate put together. So, guess what happened? Justice Clarence Thomas and his burly wife, Ginny, have come up with a clitoris solution. They've created the Thomas Clitoridectomy Cream. You rub it on your Mount of Venus, and poof, your clitoris disappears. So I'm warning you, ladies, watch out. Do not take any creams from a, from a Republican. I don't care what they tell you. Take no face cream. Take no foot cream. No eye cream. No body cream. No hand cream. Because those buggers, those Republicans, believe now that they've got the rights over your body, they don't want you running around with a clitoris because a clitoris might lead to ideas and you might decide to live for your own pleasure. So, Thomas, clitoridectomy cream, avoid it. on the phone Call her on the phone When you're all alone Darling, ask Eugene Ask Eugene Ask Eugene Good old Auntie E will fix your shit Oh boy, now we have such a an amazing moment for me because I am going to in introduce you to a guest who I practically watched being born in the hospital. I've known this this young woman so long. Um, 
and I want to bring her on now. And now I'm going to uh, take her. Uh, I'm going to mute her mic. I guess I do that. Promote to my remove fair force mic. No, uh, no, EG. You're, you're, you're on. Trying to usurp too much power. You keep thinking that you have the <laughs> you have the kill button or the start button on the speakers, but the speakers get to control oh. their own microphone. Well, yay, Frankie, Frankie, welcome. Well, uh, I met you. you practically in the hospital room, <laughs> and I have watched you grow up, and you were to be my first guest on the first podcast, but I couldn't hear, <laughs> I couldn't hear anything on the first podcast because I... Uh, I didn't understand how to work my mic. And on the second podcast, you were on a plane. And now on the third podcast, I texted you today and I said, Frankie, Frankie, I'm sorry. Uh, we're not, we can't do the regular Ask Eugene show because of the momentous effect of Roe v. Wade being overturned. And I don't want you... Uh, you can't talk about abortion because I, I don't. And you said, uh, what did you say, Frankie? Well, I called you right away because um, I figured my clumsy like voice to text messages could get something lost in translation. So I let you know that I actually did have a very um, well, I had a, I had an abortion story and it was within a marriage and with some um, very different circumstances than Allison and I'm trying to recover from the tragedy of her story itself well she's well. she's triumphant now, now Ch Ch uh, uh, so Frankie so you're happily married you've been happily I mean it's tempestuous you've got a great marriage tempestuous smart smart both of you are wits and smart uh, your husband is fabulous and wit and you have two very uh, when I say beautiful I mean be the most beautiful children. I have, uh, I remember, uh, <laughs> drinking tea with it. Just so wonderful. So Charlie, madly in love, two beautiful children. What happened? Did you get pregnant? Yes. Well, it's a little bit more nuanced than as well. Let's hear, let's hear. Let's hear. Okay. Um, well, uh, I'll give a quick backstory. I, uh, always wanted children. Um, as a very young person, unmarried in a very new relationship, I did get pregnant and I did follow through with my pregnancy and my my 15 year old daughter is the result of that. And my current husband and father of my eight year old daughter adopted her when, um, when she was four after being her father for all intents and purposes, um, since she was six months old, since my first relationship didn't uh, pan out. And so I had been married for like, well, I'd, not married, but I'd been in a committed monogamous relationship with him for almost 15 years when, or 14 years when I'd been on a trip during the uh, pandemic with my, my daughter who was a first grader and I just couldn't. So I had some neurodiversity issues. Okay. So trying to homeschool a first grader <laughs> being me and my husband's an educator. So I was constantly feeling, you know, inadequate and Your I knew what the right way yeah. was, you know, so I can't do it the right way because I'm not, I'm out of the box, you know, God help me. But so I really tried and, um, I have a neurotypical 
daughter and a neurodivergent daughter. So my younger daughter who needed my help is a neurotypical and she was, you know, I didn't feel like she was getting what she deserved. And so I decided since her birthday lay almost the beginning of May, that it was not going to be the end of the world if she, you know, were pulled out of school and we just hadn't, you know, so the pandemic is, gave us all enough, like, you know, disastrous memories that I just didn't want in addition for her first year in school, right. all of that to be um, fraught. So, um, so I took her out, my husband, he said, whatever you think is best, we're all just figuring it out here. And I went on a trip with her back to Vermont and we had a right. time. Um, I brought along a friend, a non-binary friend. What he said that your clitoris is a monarch. I appreciated that because we <laughs> them. what do you call, like me say, you're like one of my kids calls our, uh, our Corgi, the King of Kings, you know, or my other daughter says, you know, queen all the time. So I'm like, what do you call a non-binary person? And they're like, well, monarch. So I appreciate oh, it because the, the clitoris can belong to a non-binary person. So that was, that was good. Anyway, I brought my wonderful friend along because they're really excellent with my daughter and we had a great time. And my husband and I have been separated for five months because the pandemic had right. created tension that was, I felt it wasn't good for the adults, but it certainly wasn't good for the children. It reached a place where the lack of, um, you know, like, what, what do you call it? Wait a minute, wait like, a minute. There was Carol, not enough Carol. air. They're fine. Wait, wait a minute. What, what am I being coming make... to? The... Oh, do you want me to get yeah. to the punchline? <laughs> okay. Did you um, make anyway, love with your husband? Trip. What? Did, Did you, you make love with your husband? Did yes, you make I love with your husband? This long trip, absolutely feral with desire. And the first night back, um, you know, even though we were separated, we were still close in many ways and close in this way. And I got pregnant that very night after being gone for two months. So yes, that happened um, in the midst of very complicated circumstances. Right. right. Uh, I knew it once I was pregnant, like the next day, I just knew as with my other two children, I right. also had that I have that a ridiculous relationship with my body where I feel everything constantly. Right. I know. I know that about you. It's true. So I began deliberating right away with this very complicated issue. Since I knew right away, <laughs> I had a feeling and I trusted my feeling. So did you decide to have the abortion and where were you living at the time? So I am living in Texas. I was living in Austin and um, I knew that because I was aware so early in the pregnancy, I would be given quite a bit and, and really plumbing the depths of my conscience and my heart and my children's needs and husband's input. Um, so I knew I most people would have um, if they were going along to, you know, a certain time. And I wavered. So I went back and forth. Um, finally, my 15-year-old daughter, who is too intelligent, to, you know, she, she can't miss things. So I knew I'm not going to lie to her. You know, I said, here's the situation with daddy and me. And she was very clear with me that her opinion was that, you know, um, for her and her sake, since I had just begun to heal from a lot of things in the marriage and we still had healing. Right. The whole family that 
she thought I should really get an abortion. I mean, she wanted me to be present for her sister and herself. And she knew Very that good. I was um, really susceptible to major, major, I wouldn't say life-threatening, but like right. really not to be discounted depression around the vulnerability, the state of vulnerability that pregnancy well, brings. Char- uh, Frankie, let me interrupt you and tell you yeah. uh, t- tell people that you raised your daughter with agency. She felt free enough to advise you. You gave your daughter agency. And we want to pause right here. The Conflab wants to pause right here and con- congratulate you, Frankie, for raising a daughter who was clear-eyed and clear-brained enough to see you as a human being and not just as a mom. So that is brilliant. So okay. you talk to your daughter, you talk to your husband, and what yeah. is the procedure in tennis in Texas? In Texas, um, you know, I think I almost like grew faint with fear, uh, even calling the two places available and hearing their, you know, their protocol. I I can't even. What What them. was the protocol? What it was, was the protocol? Something along the lines of, well, first of all, the delivery of the whole, you know, spiel was given by somebody much too, you know, busy with whatever it is they're doing to right. have any, like a shred of compassion for a frightened woman. Right. Um, she's like, you know, this is what will have to happen. Very perfunctory. Um, you know, you'll have to come in for a scan. You'll have to wait some days. Then you'll have to come in for another scan. Then you're going to have to have this whole bit. Wait a minute. What know, are they scanning? What are they scanning? Scan- they want, okay, first of all, the baby was not a baby. It was a microscopic thought, right. practically. You know, it was like. No, right. It's cells. It's cells. It's a group I of mean, cells. And, and yes, and I, and I, it was enough of a change in my system that I could perceive in a, a spiritual way for right. me. Absolutely. But physically, you couldn't have shown anything on a scan. I mean, they're really what. So I don't know what they were going to do in terms of trying to like. Or I mean, I they're not supposed the whole idea, right, is that you're not supposed to be strong armed into getting your abortion. They want to make sure that isn't happening. But I'm really sensitive and felt aggressive and wait a minute wait uh, we lost you there for a minute charlie say that again you're very depressed you uh, no i said i'm sensitive so even these conversations well not conversations but getting this information did um it did kind of cause a cold sweat for me so i figured the facilities themselves and the procedures themselves wouldn't really be a possibility for me um so, EJ and I was so Charlie. Charlie, let me let me let me let me stop you for a minute. Can you go stand someplace where your internet is stronger? Let me try. Okay, and number two, you're in Austin. Austin is the mecca of liberal thinking, where women are created uh, are seen as equals to men. You're in Austin, and you're going through this in Austin. This is what is striking me as uh, uh, astounding. This is in Austin, Texas. We're not talking about, you know, uh, red, red, Texas. We're talking about blue Texas here. Okay, so go ahead. Well, I'm not sure there's a place on earth that fits the exact description that you so hopefully gave of Austin. But um, yes, as close as any place in Texas, I would say fits that description. Yes, I, so I was in a very privileged position where I could, um, even though the marriage was in a transitional phase and now we are right. early together, but 
it was in a transition, even such that as that was, I still was able to. We like, you know what? Ask Eugene. We like marriages in transition. We like that. We like <laughs> yeah. it when marriages go through transition. Yeah, it's sure. like the glittering, uh, the glittering transition. Everything changes because well, nobody can be the same, no. right? Well, of course not. I mean, you take a pregnancy, you take a child, you take yeah. a, the, yeah. the, the progression of an illness. I mean, everything changes. Yeah. Um, everything you changes. have to do some pretty big maneuvering to adapt oh, to right. those changes. Um, so, so anyway, what happened I, I to you? Did you partner? I I really felt because I'd had I, we had we were a struggling family all of my adulthood, and it was. Um, just at that particular point in time, the third time in my life I'd been pregnant and I felt this really cannot result in, in the child. And I communed with myself very deeply for weeks, actually. Um, I decided that because I had the means to travel to right. New York right. and stay in a hotel, um, and that there was an extremely, something that most people probably don't even know exists, but there's a gentle abortion clinic for oh. early enough pregnancies like mine, where the method is actually less um, harmful. Well, it, it can carry risk. Um, right. And also um, it's, it's easier for the woman who's already in may be in a lot of emotional pain and i was right, right. because i'm very maternal right right so, um right. i went and i had um this abortion with this woman who was like a harvard educated i mean it really didn't cost more than a texas abortion but the fact that i how, had how much how much did it cost it how much like did it cost a thousand dollars and that wow. eugene this includes follow-up care so i went to three okay. appointments over the course of a week and in one of these appointments, she said she saw a clot she didn't like, and she and when she removed it, it hurt more than the procedure. Oh, oh! So and she told me that she said, "Now this is going," and right. it, it did hurt, but I felt so well taken care of. And in the actual experience, I listened to Kate Bush's um, oh, this work, yeah. and I just sobbed, you know. And I I was allowed to oh. be pregnant with the loss, right? And I needed uh, to be able to be present with that loss because it was a loss. Right, and I, need, right. I felt I deserved. And the soul that I, in my paradigm, the soul that was with me briefly, right. we deserved that parting. Uh, and I was let my heart break. So uh, there really wasn't this toxic self. No. Or, you know, I feel like we turn we internalize it, but I think it's really an anger and a hatred of the way we've been treated, but right, we're right. voice that, right? So we turn it in on ourselves, especially people who don't have help or someone uh. to someone to coax them out of their, you know, fear or self-loathing. So I was really, really, really lucky. And the whole time I kept saying, this is not the way abortions are done in this country. I no. am no, so, you had unusual is so off the damn charts that I was like, look, this is really a life or death matter for me. And it's I'm going to grieve. And so I need to be able to. And so the, the doctor, she held me. We cried together. Um, oh. She stroked my head. Oh. As my mother, oh. she looked me in the eye, you know, cupped my face with her hand. Um, oh, my the nurse God. Just held my hand and stayed there. We oh. um, 
it was really, I mean, this to not to cause offense, but there was like beauty because there yes. was the yeah. sense of, okay, this is not, this is not a slaughter. This is not, no. this is not, this is a woman in right. a marriage in which her soul wasn't really, it wasn't in the cards for right. her to survive on a soul level if she didn't see that transition right. through with her independence and autonomy. I had to be able to make the decision to recommit to my marriage, not right. because I was a vessel of the man's seed, right? No. Not because no, I needed right. help parenting. My children were old enough that and self-sufficient, God bless them, and they're healthy, that I didn't, I didn't want to be making decisions about my relationship especially one so precious as the one I have with him and the father of my children who still would like to see an outcome that benefited them and the, and the, both of their parents. So well, you know, it would have cut it. off your future. Uh, uh, Frankie, it would have cut off your future, but it would have been one that I, having been a starry eyed young lass once who thought, you know, like, I, so the first time I got pregnant, I basically thought it was going to be like true romance, you know, like, you know, in the Christian, like we were going to be Patricia Arquette and it, we were going to be right. on the beach having, be no, it was reality. Right. And right. I, I'm, when I was considering um, terminating this pregnancy, I cried a lot because I thought of my life without my current children. And if I had, yeah, not, right, but I right. knew something I knew in my bones with each of them. I'm like, here you are and you're here to stay and we have life to do together. And with this pregnancy, it had a different feeling, almost as if there was something on the border, on the border, you know, something. Right. And I know that my conscious, like my state of consciousness at that time informs that to some extent, but also I'd like to think the world is a little bit more you know, vast and varied that there really was a communication of some sort going on, even if, even if it was imaginary, it felt really powerful and important for me to choose myself, not just for my own sake, but for my kids who I was already trying to take care of. And, you know, it did enable me to return to a healthy marriage and uh, it took a lot. I mean, we went through a lot together and I'm, who knows, I may want another child at some point. And having gone through the thick of something that I really, if I had gone through the hormonal changes and the psychic, the psychic fear that I go through, you know, like the vulnerability yeah. is a major for me because my mom suffered infidelity when she was pregnant with me. So there's just like that trauma. It wouldn't have been good. And no, Charles, I'm, uh, Frankie, you have been, you have you have actually put into words a very complicated feeling and you have managed because you're a poet and you're a performer to put into words a very complicated feeling. And uh, Frankie, I want to thank you. Um, and the, uh, the ASCII gene audience, I'm watching their reactions here. You're getting a lot of, um, uh, you know, they're just, Cath uh, Kessler says it was ph phenomenal. Uh, the, the people love your, love your ability to express what this whole week has been about. And Frankie, I want to thank you. Thank you. I want to have you back on the show because I was going to have you on two weeks ago with a completely 
different problem. Uh, but I want to have you back. You have been just wonderful. And I know when I send you away that I send you away with uh, all the conflab uh, sending you kisses and hugs and you have been the best uh, for coming on and actually putting into words what this week in May 2022 has meant for America. Thank you very much, Charlie. Uh, Thank you so much. And I Call her on the phone. Call her on the phone. When you're all alone, darling, ask Eugene. So that's it, doodle bangers, for our live Ask Eugene podcast. Thank you to Dr. Allison Gill. Her Twitter is Muller, she wrote. And she also does, as we just heard, the Daily Beans uh, podcast. And thank you to Frankie. Was that the most move? She took us through every step of her decision and was able to find the language to take us through that. And we wish Frankie great happiness and great uh, joy. And we're going to have her back. And this is live podcast will be on Apple and on Spotify tomorrow. Next week, if you want to call in live, download the app. You can download it, uh, 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 you know, from iPhone or uh, Android. It's called Call In Dash Social Podcasting. And then you can call me next week when we meet again, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, live. Now, before I play the greatest theme song of all time, better than Beethoven's Seventh, I want you to remember what George Carlin said. Conservatives are not pro-life. They are anti-woman. The Ask Eugene music is by the Los Caterpillars, Greg Talenfeld and Melanie Rock. The incidentals are by Little Red Church. Show art by the Rembrandt of his generation, Silent James. Ask Eugene is produced by, well, are you kidding? The dog is played by Guffington Von Fluke. The cat is played by Vagina Chief Fireball. Email us with your questions at e.gene, e.jean at askegene.com or send me a juicy email which I may play on the show at 845-682-0881. Let me repeat, 845-682-0881. Follow us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Give us five stars, baby. Let's do this. And remember what I always say, fate loves the fearless. Now let's go out there and fight those buggers! Call her on the phone. Call her on the phone. When you're all alone, just ask Eugene. Call
call her on the phone Don't sit there all alone If you need to pick up phone Booby, ask it Shit!